Robert Adam. Some more exciting answers to the baffling and intriguing questions of science. Up and Adam, science on FBI. Um, I am here with Dr. Alice Williamson for another installment of Up and Adam. How are you doing? Pretty good. Good morning, Ruby. <laughs> good morning. Uh, so this first story that we're talking about, uh, it hits pretty close to home because you might have gotten a new phone or a new laptop for Christmas, um, you know, stuff like that. We live in a culture where you're kind of throwing out your technology every few years or so. Um and it, it means that there's going to be a lot of e-waste and that's getting to be quite a big problem, right? Yeah, it's a really big problem. In, in 2016, the United Nations put out a report. And when the United Nations puts out a report, you know, it's, a, you know, it's something <laughs> it's a to deal. watch. Um, that said that there was around $84 billion worth of recoverable materials. So that's not counting the things that, you know, we can't recycle that's found in some of our e-waste so these are exactly the things you're mentioning your phones your laptops other things fridges television screens and you know we need to do something about getting that material back um firstly because it's you know a complete waste for the environment to have these recyclable materials just completely wasted and and you know not being used but also because it's a waste of money and it's a waste of resources and we we need to do better um and around 29 billion dollars of that 84 billion dollars worth of re- recoverable materials is apparently uh, gold parts um because gold is a really good conductor of electricity so it makes up a lot of those parts on phones and computers that conduct electricity so it's found in circuit boards and on the jacks of uh, we know we have them on our headphone sockets because it's so good at at, connect, at, at conducting electricity. Yeah. So we need to find a way to recycle it. Yeah. And um, I've heard that there has been sort of unethical ways of collecting the gold in the past, but how have they found a, a way of doing it now? Yeah. Well, I mean, some of them, it's not even that they're necessarily unethical. It's just that there's a lot of, uh, I mean, depending on your stance, it's just that they've, they've required a lot of processes to recycle gold. And a lot of re- gold is recycled that's you know that's good news um about 35 percent of all of the gold that was available between 2005 and 2010 was of was recycled gold so we're doing all right at recycling gold the problem is as you mentioned that you need to use chemicals to strip the gold from these circuit boards because it's often mixed in with plastic so you know the gold isn't in its pure form so you can't just melt it down or you can melt it down and then you have to grind up the, the circuit boards and then separate it afterwards. But this uh, research or this you know article that was published on ABC uh, News this week is uh, about some researchers, some geologists who found a bacteria in Queensland um, that can take small pieces of gold, traces of gold, and over a certain period of time, it can transform these pieces of gold into gold nuggets. So it can pull out the gold uh, and recycle it from, from you know, kind of mixtures of metals. Great. And how long is this certain period of time? So um, it sounds like a long time because at the moment it's between 17 and 58 years, yeah. which, you know, doesn't sound too kind of efficient. But when you consider that, you know, how long things take on a geological time scale, you know, how long it takes um, us to that you know the earth to form coal for example or how long it takes for tectonic plates to move or how long it takes other processes to happen this is actually a really short period of time and this is just this is unoptimized this is based on 
a bacteria that has been found and shown to 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 form these nuggets but without any optimization so if this was sped up and it says this in the article you know even by say five times um this could become you know much more viable and if you could get it sped up to you know by 30 times and it takes a couple of years to reprocess this gold it's actually a pretty efficient process because the great thing is that if you use bacteria there aren't really so many bacteria byproducts from this process there aren't other chemicals being used um, toxic chemicals being used it's really just the gases that are produced by the bacteria um that would be you know kind of the, the byproducts of this right this this, this this process and this might be a little bit of a stupid question but no stupid questions <laughs> ever would they um would they put the bacteria in like an e-waste dump or would they have to do like a processing thing well they're actually partnering so this is part of you know the next stages of exploration and i think there'll be some publications that will result from this work it's a collaboration with a startup based in new zealand called mint innovation between uh, between this startup and some researchers from the university of adelaide so a good uh, collaboration here and some other researchers from around the world and what they will be doing is trying to find out how they can uh, really recover this most efficiently from these circuit boards it's been tried out um in some you know little in some small scale operations at the moment but they're going to try and find out how to optimize this process and it probably will involve putting these bacteria into uh piles of 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 these circuit boards or indeed these circuit boards into kind of vats of this bacteria um and it's thought that this could be used not just to you know kind of get this gold out of the e-waste but in a kind of biomining process there are other biomining processes that are used throughout the world to really clean up some of the dams that go alongside gold mines so there's these dams that have contain uh, slurries and liquids that have a lot of the kind of waste products of mining but obviously still contain trace um, amounts of gold or whatever the metal is that's being mined so if you could potentially put the bacteria into some of these areas and pull the gold out not only would it you know pull out the gold it would also help to clean up some of these areas and if you could find the right mixture of bacteria to clean up all of the pollutants we do a really good job of you know cleaning up the mess that we make uh, when we when we do mining that's fantastic and what what does this mean for i guess our e-waste and our culture of uh, uh, chucking out phones and obsolescence and stuff like that. Well, I think it's something that we all have to be aware of. I mean, you know, it's really tempting to to upgrade to the latest technology, but it's something that we should all be thinking about in terms of buying, um, buying things that are a bit more sustainable, and also making sure that we recycle our e-waste if we do get rid of phones and we we can't hand them on to a relative or a friend or resell them, which is probably the best thing to do. There are e-waste collection days in in Sydney we shouldn't just be chucking these things into the bin in order to do recycling and for researchers to you know do do their work on the other end we have to play our part too all right for our next story uh i've got a little a little bit of a teaser for you when you roll the dice it basically means you're playing a game of luck but that might not have exactly been the case for gamers over 600 years ago Right? Yeah, it turns <laughs> out that um, about 600 years ago, um, most of, of 
most of the dice um, prior to this time hadn't been so fair. They'd been asymmetric in their shape. So they had a tendency to land on some sides of the dice more frequently than others. Um, and, you know, we know this because of an archaeological uh, investigation that's been done. Dice are apparently very frequently found in archaeological digs, but and this um, study has actually looked at these dice from different digs, um, different dig sites over different uh, periods in the Netherlands, and looked at them quite systematically and seen if they can classify some similarities in the shapes, the sizes, and the properties of these dice to learn some things about the, you know, the culture of the times. And um, in some of these digs, some of the very earliest dice that have been found, these Roman dice, some of them are over two thousand year old. They found that ninety percent of those were asymmetrical so they weren't the usual kind of cubes that we're used to today um and then from if we you know we kind of come forward a little bit to about 600 years ago about 1450 ad more or less most of the dice are more or less symmetrical by this this stage so there's been a shift in thinking about you know how fair these dice should be yeah, do you know what would have happened that caused the change? Well, um, the researchers have suggested that this is because, um, perhaps, well, could be perhaps because um, people had started to maybe wonder whether fate really pay- played such a large role in gambling. So the idea of having, you know, an asymmetric dice, it's not like the Romans weren't fabulous engineers. You know, they built roads, they built all sorts of incredible buildings. Yeah. I think they could have managed a perfectly cubic dice so it's not that they weren't good at constructing these things so it must have meant that either they didn't have an uh, you know kind of sense of the fact that they didn't you know they landed on three more commonly than any of the other numbers um, which seems unusual because these people were so smart or they thought that there was some role for divine intervention so that maybe when you were rolling the dice it wasn't just a one in six chance of getting a a six for example but that you know if the gods were favoring you then perhaps you were more likely to do well in that particular game or that gambling session whereas towards the kind of medieval period about 600 years ago this shift to having fairer more kind of uh, symmetrical dice so it could suggest that you know around about 600 years ago people thought wait a minute maybe the gods haven't got so much to do with this maybe this is more about you know pure pure luck so is this kind of where uh, sort of probability mathematicians really tried to started getting in there and making things fairer? I yeah, guess, well, that's or? really interesting that you you know mentioned that because this this change in the dice shape actually happened uh, a couple of hundred years before the first kind of probability theories oh. emerged because um, it's been written about a lot and it's been mentioned in this article in the new scientist that it's actually uh, a, a, almost a bit strange that probability was one of the later areas of mathematics to develop um, and it's a really complex area of mathematics it seems it's simple if you're thinking about uh, tossing a coin or rolling a dice but when we start to think about complex probability sometimes the answers to those mathematical problems are quite surprising to somebody who isn't really trained in in the art of probability some of the most kind of demanding mathematical puzzles have been probability uh, questions and um you know so this idea that it might be to do with chance sort of shows some early probabilistic thinking um and in fact it was from a dice game that the first kind of theory of probability emerged a little bit later because there was there were two mathematicians who were corresponding about a, a puzzle um to do with with throwing dice and that's how they through a series of letter kind of 
uh, focused in on a theory of probability. So I think it's really interesting. I, I also think it's really interesting that, you know, even though we know about probability now, and it's a very, it's, you know, it's very well understood, understood, particularly by those mathematicians who are really deep into the, the complex problems, we all still kind of have that element of thinking that look it plays a plays a chance because we know that you know people play the lottery for example and i think it's about a one in 45 million chance of picking those numbers which is outrageous odds but people still play so we still have this kind of sense of um you know we know the mathematics we know what our chances are but maybe we'll just be lucky and so those two things seem to be really kind of tied throughout history and are still with us today yeah, that's really interesting. Well, uh, uh, that's all the questions that I have, but thank you so much for dropping in. No problem. See you next week.